on a on a, on a day like this, uh, uh, a, a lot of messages that are preached are preached on uh, women who did significant things in history, and I, I, I'm reminded of of a, a woman like Esther who who changed the times in which she was living in and served God in her generation. And uh, you know, she, she had an impact. And then I, I think of Deborah, who, who was a judge at the time of the kings. And, uh, and then I think uh, my, my mind uh, began to focus on uh, a woman who was given the greatest responsibility apart from Mary in the New Testament, to do something significant for God. Okay. And, and unfortunately, she doesn't get too much coverage from platforms. But what she did is part of a bigger story that God wants every woman to focus on and fulfill in their lives. Okay. Right. Book of Romans, chapter 16, verse 1 and 2. It's, it's uh, Paul in that Romans chapter 16 names 29 people. 29. And this teaches me the importance of relational leadership. The day and age of the CEO pattern of leadership is coming to an end as God is dismantling structures in church life. Because Jesus is our model. And that's the only model we build our lives and we pattern our churches on. Amen? We don't look at some other large church and try to fashion what we do on those models because God has given us a biblical model that is unique and we follow that model. Jesus was a relational leader. And if you look at the life of Jesus, 40 odd percent of his time was spent with individuals. And here is the greatest apostle of all time. No comparison in modern Christianity. And yet, he takes time to mention 29 people whom he had some sort of relational contact with. And as I studied the life of Paul, I, I got more and more impressed by the success he achieved, even at that relational level. And it's also interesting that, that we, we often hear the conversation, team, team, it's all about team, and, and that might sound good, but Paul had only one person on his team. That was Barnabas. And when Barnabas left him, he just changed gears, he found Silas, and he moved on. Right or wrong? Jesus had 12, and two betrayed him. 
So, so in your life, here's the philosophy. You got to discover what is unique to you and you got to flow in that. You got to discover. What style you have, uh, don't try to imitate somebody else because you'll only be a voice. You'll only be an echo when God wants you to be unique. And some of us, unfortunately or fortunately, are more unique than others. But God has taken you and embraced you in your totality just the way you are. And you have to stop disliking yourself. And look at the mirror and say, I may not like what I see, but I thank God that he does. Amen. I was trying to see who say amen so I can keep an eye on you. And, uh, and here, here, here is Paul. He, he's entrusting a woman with the greatest epistle of all time. The book of Romans. The letter to Romans. I think, wow. He could have selected any number of these people. Now in verse 6, you don't need to turn to Greet Mary who has worked hard for you. Wow. So maybe Mary, hope no Mary's here this morning. We are Martha's, many of them, but no Mary's. Okay, a few of them. Mary who has worked hard for you. You won't think... Wow, when I look across the congregation, I would look for a Mary and think, wow, that Mary is working hard, so I'll entrust Mary with the responsibility of carrying this important document and taking it to Rome. But she left out. She's not included. For whatever reason. If you have an argument, you have to see Paul in heaven and, and sort it out. Okay, then we go to verse 12. Greet Trifina, who is that. And triphosa, it's like triposha. <laughs> Workers in the Lord. Greet Persis, not Percy, Persis, the beloved who has worked hard in the Lord. And you think, they qualify. They should be carrying this important document and taking it across to its destination. But Paul... <coughs> bypasses them for whatever reason. In 16, verse 1 and 2, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, not the one who comes on friends, <laughs> who is a servant of the church which is at Centra, that you receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints. Wow. And that you help her in whatever matter she has need of you. For she herself has also been a helper of many and of myself as well. And in the language of the time, Paul uses two key words to determine and describe the heart, the spirit, and the attitude of this woman. She would be like a Proverbs 31 woman. That seems an unachievable goal, by the way. Who is Phoebe? Somebody said this, Steve Jobs was a great man who changed the world through technology. 
But this woman was a great woman who changed the world through service. So the heart of God for every woman who comes into God's kingdom is service. Service is very challenging because very often you don't look for appreciation when you serve. Because as a servant, you have no rights. We have gay rights, we have gray rights, we have all sorts of rights in this country. You have no rights, only responsibilities. And that seems contrary to what we often see in the body of Christ today across the world. When you have a hard attitude of service, you will recognize that you may be doing a big thing, you may be doing something small in your own eyes, but what you are doing faithfully is, is unto the Lord and God is keeping an account of it. So I want to encourage all of you women in the house who do some little thing in some corner and, and you just go about your job day to day, Sunday after Sunday, and you are not seeking for any, any sort of credit and appreciation. Today is a day we want to honor all of you in the house of God. And we don't stop there. And we tell the others of you, that God has a place for you in his economy. And my responsibility as the lead pastor is to help you discover it. That's what this day is all about. Paul uses two words there. And in one word is the word diaconia, which means a function, not an office. And in the original language, at the time, it means a third-level galley slave. <laughs> oh. it, it, it doesn't mean you, you walk around with a Gucci bag to look cute. If you have one, praise the Lord. God is dismantling that culture across the body of Christ today, intentionally. In some churches, you've got to be cool, to be accepted. That's not the church Jesus came to build. He came to build a church where hurting, broken women can find wholeness and get on with their life and destiny once again. That's the gospel. That is what attracts people to the Christian faith. Because in the Christian faith, it's different from other philosophies of the world. And they're all good philosophies, but they cannot fix your brokenness. Only Jesus can. And so I'm going to encourage you today. At whatever point you are in the journey of life, God has invested something in you. And all he is asking you to do is to bring that to him and he can take it and he can use it.
Wow. Phoebe is a servant. A servant's life is very complicated because you are held accountable for what doesn't belong to you. Joshua is called the servant of Moses. Joshua, after many, many years, is now on top of the leadership pyramid. That's the aspiration that many of us have because we don't understand what true biblical leadership modeling is because we have really not seen it in the Western church. And now the same pattern is going through the East also. Joshua is called to lead a nation into its inheritance and destiny. That's the highest order of leadership at that time. Honor that wasn't given to Moses. Wow. The Bible says there was no prophet like Moses. And yet, Moses couldn't enter the promised land. But the responsibility was given to Joshua because Joshua fashioned servanthood right through his life. And right as he is at the beginning of the top of the ladder, God reminds him, Joshua, you are still a servant. And I want to tell any of you senior pastors who might be watching me because you are personally known to me, you never stop being a servant even though you're on top of the leadership pyramid. Never forget it. That's the model. Joshua had to be reminded. Moses is called the servant of God, but Joshua is called the servant of Moses. So here's the paradox, whatever that word means. On the one hand, you got to lead, and the other hand, you got to serve. And that's a hard act to balance. But Jesus got the leadership model perfectly right when he took a towel and he wrapped it around his waist and he told his 11 disciples who were struggling who is going to be next in line. You are a servant. You know, I've, 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 I've heard a, a lot of preaching in the Western world on the word greatness. And, and so you have a church with 10,000 people and everybody wants to be great, but nobody wants to serve. Jesus said, if you want to be great, no problem. You've got to be servant of all. Hello? You don't get to choose whom you serve. That's the reality. That's the model. And sometimes I think we forget it. And we've got to come back to the fundamentals. The purpose of servanthood is to carry weight. Phoebe had to carry the weight of responsibility of taking that letter and going across from one point to another, geographically speaking, as a servant. She was a leader on the other hand, benefactor. Paul says that in verse two. And, 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 and you try to figure out why was she given that responsibility? Because she learned 
how to lead in whatever she did with a servant heart and a servant spirit and and you don't look for appreciation your role when you are a servant is to add value to whatever you do <clears throat> because you recognize that the gifting that god has given you is not to be consumed on yourself but to be expended in the service of others paul says she served many and myself also some people like the pastor don't like the church some people like the church don't like the pastor and you wonder why they are still there i'm anointed wow <laughs> right joe <laughs> she had earned paul's trust by evidence of a consistent christian life of service and paul knew she was a good steward of what was placed in her hands this is what it is about you have a gift from god everything you own is a gift from god it is only god who gives power to get wealth that's what the bible says and if the bible says it i got to believe it because that's my authority promotion comes not from the east or from the west but from the lord now some people take that promise and they sit there and they open their mouth and say god fill it and he fills it with hot air there's work in world but when you have a servant heart you stop complaining about your work situation my gosh i tell you something there are some believers i avoid like they've got covid they're so negative that you know you you spend 5 minutes with them you need to go for a mouthwash and a brain wash it's absolute they're not bad people but they just look at life through a lens of negativity they have so much they can't enjoy it remember the people of israel when they were in the wilderness they had all the gold and the silver they had to tell the egyptians we don't want any more we can't carry this stuff anymore right and yet in the wilderness their one thing they did constantly was to murmur and complain you think much has changed nothing nothing paul had measured a spiritual life journey and on the basic on basis of those findings he assigned her a task so you don't get responsibility just because you look cute that may come with the package like somebody said yesterday but when you are faithful in the little things we know you can be trusted with greater responsibilities like like some people say oh pastor will we will we, we'll come on sunday morning yeah 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 they don't show up they don't show up they're like yalanka flight gone back nothing new there 
I'm serious. How many of you are enjoying this? Right? How many of you put a hand up? You're enjoying it, right? Wow. And I, I, I like some of you husbands who are saying, God is speaking to my wife. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know human nature. She was given the responsibility to carry that letter. And she did it faithfully. How faithful are you in the house of God? You know, one day you got to stand before God and he's got not going to ask you what you did with your life. He's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant, if you have done things faithfully. So, so when you come to church on a Sunday morning, you, 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 you don't just come to warm up you. You come with the attitude, Lord, what can I do to serve you? Because God is the focus of our service. Not the church, not his leadership, but Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Mekadiskem. He is God Almighty, the creator of this universe. And all we can do is to humble ourselves before his presence and his power and say, God, I just have something in me. Take and use it. <clears throat> It's not complex. In the New Testament, there was a donkey tied to a post. And Jesus told his disciples, go and unloose the donkey. And when the owner comes, say the master has need of him. Wow. God is using donkeys. Absolutely. Because we live in a busy world. He under, we understand that. Remember, her, their, her world was also busy. We think, oh, you know, our day, our age. That's just an attitude. It's an attitude. Last evening, I suddenly got an SMS from a couple said, can you come at 6 o'clock at about 4.30? I said, Today is Saturday. Oh my gosh, I don't go out on Saturdays. Then I had to go and pick another student, come back, and then I had to go, and I'm thinking, oh my Lord, my Sunday is finished. It's ruined because I, I don't have that type of anointing where I can get up and, you know, like I chew the dictionary, I work hard on what I do, and then I had to go out there and I had to spend time with them, and I had two cups of coffee, and I realized that's going to kill me in the name of Jesus until about three o'clock in the morning. I was moaning and groaning because I couldn't sleep. Of course, we drink two cups of coffee, you can't. But I, I couldn't say no to those people because there was a need on their heart and it is more important that I fulfill the need. And I said, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to get through this, uh, you know, woman celebration. I'm not that way inclined uh, too much. Most of you know that. But God will see me through. You see, the principle is this. When you put God first and look after his business, he looks after yours. I'm doing pretty well this morning, isn't it? Right? Ah, thank you. Thank you at the back. You see, when you serve God faithfully, you end up in a place that God intended you to be. We live in a performance-oriented culture where we put a premium on performance, not service. Not service. That's why everything is evaluated. So you get performance bonuses. But if you're a servant, 
no bonus. It's a responsibility. Because you are under the lordship of the master. You got to follow his instructions. That's why in church life, there are a lot of leaders, but no servants. I read a very interesting article on volunteers. And I changed my whole perception. Volunteers, Jesus called for servants, right? Those who work in an unpaid basis are volunteers. It's a term borrowed from social clubs and non-profit organizations. Leaders of such groups make it their business to cultivate a steady stream of volunteers because without them, <coughs> the organization will die. Pastors go to seminars and read books about how to recruit volunteers. A church not making good use of people is a church destined for mediocrity. Absolutely true. Now the question is, the volunteer strategy even biblical? It's not. Jesus never called for volunteers. When we call for volunteers, and I have done it myself, we are telling people, use all your time for yourself, and if you have a little time left over, give it to us. So we get what we believe. We get what we believe. I mean, that's the history of this church, right? You are hesitant in agreeing. 25 years ago, we didn't call for volunteers. That's why today you have a building to sit in comfortably. Because somebody right there chose to serve and serve well. Let's see Jesus' answer. For the Son of Man, Mark 10, verse 43 to 45, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. <coughs> he called for people to be servants. Servants. But you know, if we call for servants, they won't come here. That's right. That's right. We have lowered all these things down just to make people more comfortable and we don't call for commitment and consecration and sanctification and holiness and all that. And so we get what we believe for. Jesus called for disciples. He commanded the church to make disciples, disciplined followers of Jesus Christ. He commanded the church. He didn't say, you know, go out there and get some volunteers. Right? I'm using his words. He said, if you want to follow me, deny yourself daily, take up the cross and follow me. In Western Christianity, there's no cross anymore. <coughs> because it's not socially comfortable. Where the cross? Where is the suffering? Suffering is part of the Christian experience. Whether we appreciate it or not, whether we accept it or not, it is real life. <coughs> but Jesus promises to be with us in our suffering. So we, we tell people, okay, just give me uh, one day a month, one hour. Okay, one day, one hour, no problem. We get one day, one hour. That's all we ask for. That's all we get. And then we just stay the way we are. 
and we go through all the religious paraphernalia just trying to be spiritual. We are not. In John chapter 6, verse 50 to 66, Jesus had a hard saying, and it says some of his disciples walked with him no more. My friend, if you are in any form of responsibility in this church, raise the standard by leading yourself from that standard. When you raise the standard, others will rise up with you because you are the model. Can you come? Are you free? I hear this all the time. Because I listen to conversations, I get paid for it. And that's what you get. And, and, and some of you, you've been in churches in Sri Lanka where you gave God your best shot. But when you came here, you are now putting your ladder against a different wall. And you know what? When you get to the end of your life, you'll be a miserable coot because you are too old to enjoy what God had for you. Well, I'm busy. We all are busy. Uh, 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 a lot of people think that pastors only work on Sunday. Yeah, they're serious. They're, they're not being rude or impolite. They, they, they just think we only work on Sunday. The, the rest of the week, we're just looking at the ceiling. You still love me? I'm still online. And you know what happens then? God raises others. He said, out of the ground, I will raise children of Abraham. He'll get his job done without you. And when I look at this woman and I see what she accomplished, wow. In the modern day and age, biblical leadership is lost. In the modern day and age, is the smartest person in the room. If you are smart, praise God for it. Use that smartness to be a blessing to other people. You know, I'm going to say this, and I, I, I don't like to, 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 to use names and all that, but about 12 years ago, maybe... We used to have somebody who, 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 who is sitting here this morning. Uh, the person concerned came from a very, very high uh, political standing in another part of the world. And, and that person is to come with us and go and pick stuff off the week here, out on the other side of the city so that that person could be a blessing to others. I never forget that. Don't lose that servant heart. Don't conform to the world. The church is not called to be worldly, but worldliness is creeping into the church. And as a consequence, we are ineffective in our light and our witness. And when people look at us as Christians out there in the marketplace, they don't see a difference. Phoebe established her authority through serving, not through leadership. You know, people will only follow you as a leader up to a point when you lead from this. But when you lead from that, you go beyond. I can get people to do something that some of you others can't do for one reason, for one reason. Because the day I founded this church, I committed to service. 
That's it. Is it easy? No. Because the opportunity to serve God comes at the most inconvenient times. But we have a calling to be like Phoebe, to model our lives on the great master who was a servant to the people. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, Paul calls himself servant of Jesus Christ. He's talking to the church. And so I want to encourage you today. Develop an attitude of service. I don't want to be a volunteer. When we did our faith, the average age of the people who did 80%, 60% of the work at the faith was about 69. <laughs> the average. And I thought, 30 years ago, I taught them what servanthood was. And they haven't forgotten it. Average age. I did a quick sum. I know some of you reduced your age to four, four and five years, but I can uh, I've been with you long enough to know how old you are. And, and I was amazed. I was amazed. And, and I began to reframe in my mind what we should do as a church. We don't call volunteers anymore. If you're free, put your hand up. It doesn't work. It hasn't worked for 25 years. First 10 years, it, 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 we, we asked for servants and we got them. And then somewhere the goals have shifted. The boundaries have moved. And, and we want people, oh, to come on their time. No. Jesus said, come now. Leave everything. The, the, the young man said, I'm going to bury my father. He said, that guy is dead already. You don't worry about him. You come follow me. That's the call. So I want to challenge you in your thinking. I want to challenge you in your commitment. Don't just show up in church. Do something more for God. Find your place in God's story. That's the important part. Find your place in God's story, however big or small that part might be. A volunteer feels gratified at a job well done. The writer says, fundamentally, fundamentally, the difference between a volunteer and a servant is the spirit in which one approaches the need or the task. A volunteer does not feel obligated and does not feel ownership of the task. A volunteer only does it for the organization. A servant does it because his master told him to. Peter was a servant. He didn't start out like that. He didn't start out like that. But God allowed Peter to go through a series of painful life experiences to teach him what it is to serve the master. And so when Peter had to be martyred, he was crucified upside down because he didn't want to die like his master. He learned servanthood the hard way. That's not God's plan. 
Phoebe is called a servant of the local church. Now I know there are a couple of you, you do your own little thing and you running your own little pet shows here and there on the universe, you know, little thing here and a little thing there and, and you get some self-gratification from it and praise the Lord for that. But God's method is engagement in the local church. But in the local church, you don't get to write the rules. That's why you don't get involved. Hello? You want to be the master of your own ship and you want to control the destiny of your own life, it'll only take you thus far before you eventually shipwreck somewhere. So I want to encourage you today. Offer yourself up to God first. Begins with him. And say, Lord, I don't know too much about this whole experience, but one thing I do know is that I want to cultivate and develop a heart of biblical service. Then, at every opportunity you get, you will serve. That's the secret to biblical success. That's the secret to a life of fulfillment. You know, we were talking a few weeks ago, uh, this couple, young couple then, they used to come home 5.30, 6, close the, lock up the doors of the house with the two kids inside. We put our kids inside, lock the door, don't open, anybody come, don't answer the phone, and we go out there. And it is because of that service that today you have a building here like this in order for you to be given opportunity to serve, even though I have to say it. What are you doing with your life? What are you doing with your life? Before long, you're going to be walking like this. It's going to happen. However much you try, it's going to happen. Whenever I think of that, I get. <clears throat> but it's going to happen. But you know something? When I come to the end of my life, I am going with a trumpet sound. I've already got it all organized. It's all on, on a little thing that my daughter has. I'm going with a trumpet sound. I'm not going quietly. I'm not going, you know, just keep an eye on that box because you never know whether I'll come up again. Because I have lived my life the way I believe God wants me to live it. So let me tell you, don't waste your life. Don't waste your life. There's only one life to live. I am really thankful to God that I was fathered spiritually by a servant leader. Later on, I had a bad model and I had to undo some of that stuff. But the man who first fathered me spiritually, he was a true servant. And because of what he put in my life, I can put into your life this morning. A servant. Leave your rights aside and pick up your responsibilities. Mm -hmm.